Welcome him to a special live Locked On Chiefs. The center of the football universe today is Kansas City and is throwing some things off. You might even feel an earthquake coming at you because it's all happening right down in KC. We're going to talk about it all today. The Chiefs, the draft itself, and what it means for everyone on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. I just want to say thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. The earth is shaking, but we're okay. We appreciate you making us your first listen here on Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Make another Locked On show your next listen because we're all in the same waiting period. The countdown has begun. Matt Derrick is here from ChiefsDigest.com. He will tell us all the inside stuff that I don't think about and Chris always brings up that I can't answer. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll get to that right after we tell you that, hey, it's almost here. This is going to be, and I like the center of the universe thing because we're all going to be revolving around it. I will be in town. I'm going to have an announcement for you guys tomorrow about where I'll be on Wednesday night. We'll we'll sit down. I might even have an adult beverage with somebody. If, if y'all want to show up, we'll let you know that, that tomorrow. I, I am Ryan Tracy from uh, Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, where you can get the draft guide still. That's RogueAPC.com and use the code uh, MATRIXLOC to get a discount. And you can also get my full draft board over on NFL33.com. It's the pin post right now on our sub stack and it's got everything where everywhere where I think they should be. So that's a lot of fun too. I'm Chris Clark from chiefs corner. And like I said, yesterday, I kind of got another business coming up that you guys will be hearing more about in the coming weeks. So be watching for that. Uh, and this is Matt Derrick, I think from chiefs digest, I'll let him go ahead and tell you a little bit more. What is there to say? I mean, you can go to chiefsdigest.com. <laughs> Occasionally there are insights for me when, when I'm fully hundred percent healthy, which I'm getting close to being. So I like it. Uh, getting ready for the draft. And uh, yeah, you guys are right. Uh, being in Kansas City, there is a lot of excitement and a lot of energy in the air right now. And let's kick off right there. I, I want to talk about that specifically. I know the Chiefs are getting ready for draft. And we have a lot to talk about when we get to that. But Kansas City in general, you know, they're in a situation where they're hosting the NFL draft. They just finished the airport, the airport terminal. There's going to be a lot of people flying in. They're going to be using that uh, for the first time. They're going to get to see that. But just the city in general, what can you tell us about Kansas City right now? Yeah, I mean, I've been getting the the photos and videos that people have been sharing and sending to me for really the, the last week and a half or so with all the setup down at Union Station. Uh, it is quite it's quite impressive. I have not had a chance to go down there to myself. And unfortunately, with my draft responsibilities, none of them involve being downtown for the draft. <laughs> Because the Chiefs are going to be at their facility. They're going to have the, the draft picks on Zoom. So, yeah, none of our media availabilities, anything like that's going to be anywhere downtown. So the Chiefs are going to be the, the personnel teams and the coaching staffs and everything will be back at the facilities by Arrowhead. So um, I keep telling people the draft might as well be on the moon for how it affects me, unfortunately. Uh, but it's really cool. I mean, the the stage setup at Union Station is incredibly impressive. They've got these incredible screens. Uh, I do worry a little bit for the people who who live close to Union Station and some of the the condos and apartments. They're going to have some great views of the draft, but I don't know. Do they want the Fallout Boy concert at you know one a.m. <laughs> in their dining room? I don't know. They're going right. to get it though. Um, this is definitely. I mean, for. Anybody for the hundreds of thousands of fans who went downtown for the parades for the Chiefs and the Royals, this is going to be something entirely beyond that. I mean, this has been 
obviously it's much more organized. Um, so there's a lot more to do and see um, the way that the NFL, and the chiefs have all set it up. I mean, there's, uh, there's interactive displays, you know, they're going to be over by Liberty Memorial. Then you'll be able to watch the draft itself. They have the concerts, everything like this. And then not to mention just, I mean, if you're into the people watching aspect of it, um, the people have started arriving. I mean, you're seeing a lot of the um, NFL glitterati around town making appearances at various barbecue places. And so you know, you're going to be running into more than a few of, of those types. And that's just going to get more and more throughout the week. Um, they were doing some uh, open houses today for the media at some different locations. So if you've been on social media, you have probably seen some photos of the green room and all the setup. Um, it's really impressive. It's it's very cool to see in Kansas City. And like you said, Chris, I mean, this is this is a coming out party to a degree for uh, some things that have been going on in Kansas City between the airport and a lot of things are going on. So this is this has been a part of a, a really big stretch in Kansas City sports between this and the culminating in 2026 with the World Cup, too. So it's a really exciting time for a sports fan to be in Kansas City and to be able to experience what's going on here. Well, and if I remember correctly, sorry, Ryan, really quick. If I remember correctly, they're doing a mock draft or a mock simulation of the draft tonight at Union Station, aren't they? I believe I heard that. So yeah, they'll they'll they're going to be doing they'll they'll do some run throughs and everything like that. And it's hard to uh, it's hard to do any of those behind the scenes. So <laughs> when you're yeah. doing it on the you're largest stage right that the NFL everybody. has ever constructed. So yeah, it's uh, everybody should be getting some pretty good experiences down there. I just have downtown in an earlier round and sugar. We're going down swinging in my head now, Matt. Thank you very much. Appreciate you're welcome. That. Um, I will save you guys from singing it because I only do country, but. The big thing for me is uh, you mentioned the green room, and I think this is a chance <clears throat> for, especially if the Chiefs were to still be in a position to select someone that's in the green room. We know that it's a limited number of guys that are going to be here in town in there. I think it's a really unique setup. I think it shows like a little bit of the character of the city, but also is going to give us a, a unique way to see just one of the landmarks of town, but also be focused in on what it's like when people descend upon someplace they, they don't know the the culture the the locality it's a little bit more that i hope the chiefs are able to make a selection of someone that's in the room i don't know if that's going to happen but i think it'd be kind of cool in being able to be in that position i think it always comes back to do you have the value of the guys that are there and i think there are a couple of targets we could say but matt gut feeling do you think one of the guys in attendance the prospects that are here in town in the green room might end up going to kansas city I mean, there's a chance, you know, it, it gets more difficult when you're back at 31 because it's, it, the NFL is hoping beyond hope that, frankly, everybody on the green room list has gone before then because they don't want to be sweating out having one or two people, players back in that green room and, and having to worry about whether or not they're going or not or have to wait until Friday night. I mean, they try to design it so that the players who are invited are going to be comfortably into the first round. There's some question marks on that list. And it enough to make you wonder that, hey, you know, were the were the Chiefs asked to say, hey, who's the one player that, you know, you're taking at 31 that we can invite <laughs> that we know my, is, is going to be good. You'll definitely take off the board. Um, don't know anything like that's been asked or, you know, what the Chiefs responded correctly if they were asked. Um, but it makes you wonder. And I mean, yeah, it's it is possible to see some scenarios because there are obviously some positions that I think that some players could drop. Um, you know, and, and, and Brett Veach kind of alluded to this and some other people have talked about it as well. Um, I, I think there's a real uh, a dichotomy about what people view 
for this first round. I mean, usually there's a lot of consensus, and I'm just not sure that there's a huge consensus this year other than a lot of GMs and, and personnel executives don't think that this is as deep as a first round as in most years. Um, you know, we were seeing a lot of teams taking that maybe they're closer to only 15 players and mm-hmm. getting first round grades <clears throat> under boards as opposed to 20. And, and there's maybe not as much uniformity amongst those lists that it's a different 15, you know, with every team a little bit more. So uh, that's what to me is just makes this year a little bit more unpredictable and yeah, I mean, as much as I think it would be exciting to make sure that the Chiefs draft at some point in the first round, whether they move up or they stick at 31, I, I mean, I don't think that's going to be a hindrance. I don't think they're going to be locked in. I mean, Brett Veach certainly, from what he told us last week, is willing to move out of the first round if the right deal is there. And if they don't feel like they're getting value at 31 and they can with a trade. They might not be locked in, Matt, but they will definitely be locked on. Miss my opportunity every now and then. Opportunity, right? (laughs) I knew you were going to go there, Ryan. The one thing I will say, and the NFL does not want this, and you mentioned this earlier, Matt, is they don't want a prospect still sitting there uh, at the end of the of night one and having to decide whether or not they're coming back for night two. That has never been a good scenario for any of these guys. Uh, So I think that that's a good thing for the NFL to kind of try to figure out those guys. And you're absolutely right. And Ryan and I have talked about this earlier this week. Most boards only have 15 guys on them, and they're not all going to be the same 15 guys. But that's not a lot of guys. That's not a lot of players. When you're talking about being pick 31, good luck getting a pick uh, that's going to be in the green room, in, in my opinion, at least. It makes it difficult. I, I must be a sweetheart this year because I ha- I have 19 guys in the first round, and I have the most of anyone any analyst I've talked to. So <clears throat> evidently, I just got a soft spot for this class. But we got to talk about who soft. the prospects are. Easy now. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about those prospects and, and who might land, line up, or be in position to be sought by the Kansas City Chiefs right after this. And I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. You absolutely have to try this. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. And now you don't even need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you get still get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. That's right. Head to the nearest Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter buff, sorry, brownie batter puff in churro puff you can thank us later so much to talk about when you start looking at prospects and where kansas city could go matt let's just dive right in where do you feel like kansas city is really centering their attention right now yeah that's what's been really difficult to do because the chiefs have have played their cards pretty close to the vest um you know brett veach gave us a little bit of insight last week but i don't know that he necessarily told us a ton as far as, you know, where their direction is going to be. I mean, I think you could certainly, from his comments, I mean, pick out a few things. And I think one, obviously, is that a consensus, there's a lot of cornerback depth in this draft. Um, Chiefs just win a lot of cornerbacks last year. So, um, and sometimes the position that, that Brett likes to talk up the most ends up being the position they don't take at all. So, you know, take over everything that, that these GMs say going into the draft with a grain of salt. Sometimes it's, uh, what they're saying is not necessarily intended for the fan base. Sometimes it's intended, the audience is intended for other people. Um, 
I've 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 come down to kind of a, a floating philosophy a little bit on what the Chiefs are going to do with thirty one. Um, my my thought process is that I think it's most likely that if they trade up, they're trading up for an offensive tackle. Um, wouldn't rule out necessarily trading up for a defensive lineman, but I think that if I, if you told me that the Chiefs were trading the twenty one. I think it's because there's an offensive tackle that they like that's available it's, that they got a first-round grade on. If they stick at 31 and one of the premier or at least top tier, maybe top four wide receivers are on the board, I think that's the most likely target. Uh, not ruling anything on it. It's not, that's not like a 90% clinch or anything like that. I mean, and it's certainly going to depend on how the draft unfolds. But I think if they were to stay put at 31 and, and there's only one or two receivers off the board, receiver might be very likely there. If they were to trade out of 31 and pick up some more assets and move back into the second round, I mean, almost anything is on the board. My sleeper pick in that scenario would probably be tied in. I think there's a lot of depth at the top of the draft. And let's face it, I mean, the Chiefs need to consider life without Travis Kelsey because whether through retirement in the next, you know, between one to 25 years or (laughs) injury or anything else, you may have to play sometime without Travis Kelsey. And I think the Chiefs need to be a little bit more prepared for that. And they certainly have kicked the tires on a few players in this draft. So um, you just look at the players that the Chiefs have talked to and put most of their interview resources in that are first-round caliber candidates. I think they would probably mostly fit in those those categories. I mean, there's been a few tight ends, offensive linemen. Um, there's been a, a, you know, there might be, and I, and I've seen some projections, you know, the chiefs going in some different directions, like even an offensive interior, um, which I don't think is necessarily their, their biggest need right now. But when you look at short-term needs, Hey, it's a secondary need for the future. So I can see that, but, um, the, the one overriding thing that makes it most difficult about picking this year's draft based choices for the chiefs is that they don't have any glaring holes. They don't have any one position that you're going into this draft and saying that the Chiefs don't get a player in the first round here or in the third round here, or they don't hit this position hard, that they're going to be in trouble. They're not in that spot. I mean, they've put the roster at a pretty good position. Certainly, there's some positions they like to see them address, but this isn't you know a year where you're going in and saying that if your first pick is in a defensive edge or your first pick is in an offensive tackle that you're just you're bound for a 500 season. That's not where this team's at. I, I think the most interesting you you said that uh, things are all over the place. I even saw a quarterback mock to the Chiefs in the first round today. I don't I don't know what Chris Collins <laughs> was thinking, but I just want you guys to know that it's out there. Well, so, that's one way to go. Yeah, it's it's a way, but I, I think the randomness of this draft I think is what's perplexing me right now. Uh, consensually, we're we're all at the point where it's a low volume. There's got to be 31 selections if you don't have anywhere close to 15. It becomes that that payoff. This is what I feel, unfortunately, if Red Feach isn't as aggressive as he usually is, or if it isn't as successful, I'm sure he's trying to be as aggressive as he can be uh, because we know that's consistent. But if it gets to 31, they haven't been able to trade out. We might be in a position where some of those strange things have to happen because the last guy, the highest guy on the board might be a running back. God forbid we go through that again, or it might be <laughs> an offensive guard. And that's that's what I'm trying to stay my hand for and be a little bit more um, contrite about what just, has to happen versus what I what I think will happen. Just do me a favor, Ryan, and don't say that it's not going to happen. Travis Kelsey will stop playing football in 2031. Mark my words. Okay. There, eight Thank more you. years. See, I just did it for you. It's all over. Yeah. Record books. Yeah. 
Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, you know, you look at this draft for me, and and that was the one thing, and we talked about this earlier in the week, Matt. You know, running back doesn't make sense to me. I understand a lot of people think Gibbs could be a special talent, but that's a position I just can't see Kansas City going for, though if they stick at 31 and they don't feel like they're getting value anywhere else, I guess I could see it. I wouldn't love it, though. Yeah, and that to me is – that's worst case scenario for this Chiefs draft. And and the, to a degree, you're talking about the 2020 NFL draft, which is the exact same way. I mean, that was if the Chiefs were going to trade out of the last pick in 2020, they needed a quarterback to fall to 32. And so when Jordan Love went off the board to the Packers, that pretty much killed all the conversations that the Chiefs were having about moving out of 32 because teams were talking about trying to move back into the first round to get him and get that fifth-year option. Fifth-year option is a bigger deal for the teams for quarterbacks than any other position. So not that it couldn't be for some other spots, but for quarterback, it's a much bigger deal. So so really you're looking at Herndon Hooker probably would be the guy that possibly uh, – I mean, you would need a quarterback to fall. I don't think there's anything about that. I mean, that's that's your biggest leverage or your best opportunity. Uh, and whether it's him, I mean, I think there's probably some other quarterbacks that belong down there too. But <laughs> hey, we don't there's have to our- be the Chiefs fans don't have to be in the market for the quarterback, so you don't have to judge it. So you can just yeah. sit back and wait until the sixth or seventh round and take your flyer if you want. <laughs> that's true. Levis is being talked about as being a possible number one pick at this point, or going to Houston. I mean, it's just crazy what you're hearing now and what the Vegas odds are changing too. Uh, Vegas is, is, I don't know. I don't know what's going on out there. I, I think luckily we only have to wait a few hours here until we're going to know. So let's talk impact of certain selections, not whether they should or shouldn't or whether they will or won't, but what happens if they do, we'll do that on the backside of this. So new punk had a great comment. Uh, he's, he's calling a shot here in the live chat. And folks, we are here five days a week. We're not always live, but if you happen to be with us live, cheers. Make sure you get subbed on the YouTube channel. Uh, <clears throat> and we usually pre-record these, but because we have comments today, uh, Steve, I'm not going to argue with you, Edger and James. I I, I see so much ball Charles game in, in Jimmy Gibbs. Let's be real. I still don't want to take him in the first round, but that's <laughs> only one scenario, right? Uh, the Zay Flowers one that New Punk brought up He's calling a shot that that's going to be the selection. And I, I can see that happening. The question becomes to me, let's take Zay as, as the example. If that does happen, he does fall there. I have him as a second-round grade, so it makes sense to me. That's another sub-5-9 wide receiver with good ability to change direction and, and get separation underneath. He's got some yak ability. He's just not big, strong down the field, but he's also not anywhere near the Tyreek Hill level. I think that was unique to Tyreek, and I think some people are taking the um, the, the shorter stature guys and, and projecting more than we should towards the Hill phenomenon, Matt. If they were to select another undersized wide receiver that really belongs in a slot only, what does that do to this wide receiver group? Well, it's a good question because and, – and I go back to, you know, where do you, where do you put these? I mean, is – is Zay Flowers a true first-round grade receiver? I don't think the consensus is there. I think that, you know, to your point, Ryan, I mean, you know, if you're talking about teams that have got only 15 players on their board that are first-round grades, I can't say that there's I, – I couldn't tell you that why there should be one of those teams that would put Zay Flowers as one of their top 15. You know, he would be in the next tier down, which, you know, would mean that you're talking about a second-round player. 
And that's uh, and the Chiefs may be in that position. If they're at 31 and all their 15 some odd players who have first round grades are gone, then yeah, you're going to get stuck taking a guy that you got a second round grade at 31. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, and, you know, and that's one difference that I think is more difficult than later on in the draft because, you know, one thing that Brett Veach and his staff does later in the draft is that and you hear him talk about pockets. They look for and try to identify what's the deepest pocket at each one of these positions. And then you narrow it down and say, okay, we're going to go this position group because these are, this is the best group that's left. Let's take the, what we think is the most, you know, outstanding player from that group. That's not how you do 31. I mean, 31, you're really still looking for best available player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if you don't have a true need, that kind of gets you in a little bit of, once again, going back to the, the 2020 conversation, you know, you end up picking maybe the chess piece rather than the best available player. And I would be interested to see if that's, you know, either, uh, you know, a, a PTSD situation for Brett Veach of going running back or a learning <laughs> learning lesson, whichever way you want to put it. Um, you know, I, I mean, that didn't work out the way that they hoped. I got it. I mean, I, they had a plan for, for Clyde on paper. It just didn't work out. So mm -hmm. would going running back again make sense for them? Well, that might be tough for them and for the player. Um, but once again, for, but specific to Zay Flowers, you know, I mean, if he is, is a second round grade, here's my concern about making the pick there. Even though I think that if he's available at 31, there's a reasonable chance the Chiefs take him. If he's a second round wide receiver, what's your expectation for him? If your expectation for him because he went in the first round is that he's going to be a thousand yard receiver in year one, that is probably an unrealistic expectation for Zay Flowers or any rookie that you got a second round grade on coming into an Andy Reid offense. You saw what happened with the second round receiver in Sky Moore this year. It's difficult to do. So unless you're an elite receiver and the only case that I've really seen made is that Jackson Smith and Jigba is maybe the true only elite receiver in this draft. If that's not the guy coming to Kansas City, then you're you're going to have somebody who is going to be a bit of a project, not a total project, but a bit of one. And I'm with you. I mean, you make the point about the smaller size receivers. You know, what what can be your expectations? If you think that Zay Flowers is the next Tyreek Hill, I would say that the speed and the numbers probably don't support that. So it's about having reasonable expectations for him. Not not necessarily to say the Chiefs have a problem if they take Zay Flowers. I think it's just you have to have proper expectations. I, I agree. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that it's really interesting you bring up Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I think he's probably truly the only elite receiver in this draft. Uh, may not be the only wide receiver taken in the first round, but I would also argue, I don't know that you're going to have a first round wide receiver in an Andy Reid team that's going to be a thousand yards their first year. I just don't know that that's going to happen. The way that Andy Reid does things and the way that his offense is structured even if you're a first-round talent and elite, I don't know that you're stepping in and have a thousand-yard receiver. So the question then becomes: if we're, if we're not going to do the receiver, that's probably not the best fit. I think the most underrated group that the Chiefs could consider at 31, depending on how the board falls, is the interior defensive line. There's a lot of undersized pass rushers that I don't believe belong in the first, but could be there at 31. That maybe you have to reach a little bit, but they might be the best graded guys on the board at the time. And I think there's a good girth of them going down through day two. Is that something that if that were to happen, Matt, no matter who it is, just bolstering the interior pass rush, is that enough to take the whole defensive front forward, given that we've seen them be more multiple and seen guys move around the defensive front a lot more in this last uh, season cycle? 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had a I had a conversation earlier today with someone. What we're talking about, you know, what are positions where you could see like last year when you saw rookies come in and start at different positions, both offensively and defensively for the Chiefs. Where are spots that rookies could come in and start this year? Um, you know, is is there a spot on offense where a rookie can come in and start? I mean, outside of a tackle position. You know, and I would say either left or right tackle, depending on who was there. That's about your only option on offense. You could say a rookie could start at one of those, an offensive position. Defensively, I think the only place that a rookie would come in and start is at defensive tackle. Um, you know, yeah, you've got Derek Naughty coming back, who was primarily your starter along with with Chris Jones. But, you know, you don't have Colin Saunders back. Turk Wharton's coming back from an injury. You've got some depth concerns there. But, you know, you've also, you know, Derek Dottie hasn't necessarily just exploded and taken that job. I mean, he's been kind of a, a good journeyman for the Chiefs and just reliable, but he hasn't necessarily been an explosive, you know, starter at that spot. And you also have to prepare for, even though that the Chiefs have talked about being optimistic about getting a Chris Jones extension done, one is not done. And if you're going into offseason and now you're replacing two starters on the defensive interior, that's a problem. So, yeah, I mean, you always want to be able to address not only, you know, current needs, but future needs. And I don't think there's any doubt right now you could tackle, you could, you could check defensive tackle in both those boxes. So I think you're right. And, and I think the Chiefs are lucky in that regard that I do think that's a fairly deep group. Um, there's some players that I like that do kind of go into maybe into the beginning of day three that I think could be good fits and intriguing for the Chiefs. Um, you know, but I think that's that's I think that's going to be true about even if they stay at 31. I mean, I think there's intriguing possibilities at different spots, maybe than the one differently than the ones we're talking about. And that's why, you know, I say like a tight end might be a sleeper for me for the Chiefs in an early round pick because it's the one that we're just not talking about much. But there is some depth in that top pocket, as, as Brett Veach would like to say. Well, you have to wonder how many players are or how many teams are going to be looking at a tight end in the first round. Uh, just because there's so many other different positions. Although this is a very deep tight end draft from whatever thing we've heard. I am curious, Matt, you said that the only position on offense is probably tackle that somebody could step in and start. So if Kansas City was to go Gibbs, and I'm not saying that I think they will, but if they were, you don't think Gibbs could take the job from Pacheco? Very possible, but you know, I would think that in a normal situation, I mean, uh, you know, I, like that, especially for the guy coming back as a starter. I mean, he's you know, Isaiah Pacheco would get every chance to be the incumbent, and if the other guys would absolutely have to clearly dethrone him, and yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see Pacheco holding on to that. Even go, I, there's a lot, plenty to like about Gibbs. Um, I, I think at this point, Pacheco's done more than enough to prove that he he's deserved to be the starter. I don't argue that. I get, I bring it up just because it's interesting when we start looking at the different positional groups. And I think you made a great point that they could actually have a starter step in in the first round. You only really have two defensive tackle and offensive tackle. If you go anywhere else, you're probably not going to get a starter at least this year. And while that's probably going to be OK, that's something that a lot of people are going to like. But it is a reality of the, I mean, when you're a Super Bowl champ, that's actually, frankly, the way it should be. I mean, it should be uh, hard absolutely. to crack that starting lineup. It's more difficult in free agency now. So you're you're, you're going to have those positions pop up more frequently. But that's, and considering how successful the Chiefs draft have been the last couple of years, that's also a good problem to have. I mean, it tells you that you're drafting well if you don't have a lot of starting positions up for grabs. Yep. Let's hope that it stays that way. If we had to do here just as the one thing, one thing that you think is going to happen shot in the dark, Matt, who are you calling your shot for 
to be the first selection no matter where it is. Man, and see, I'm I, I'm going to almost fly against everything that I have said here thus far <laughs> because, I mean, I I think it's more likely than not. That's not 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 fifty percent. I'll peg it at around forty percent. I think the Chiefs will will stay at thirty one. So we'll say that's about a forty percent likelihood. I'm going to go probably thirty five percent, and that's probably a little high. I'd probably, if I were really breaking it down, I might go like forty three and then thirty seven or something. I mean. Uh, maybe a little bit lower for that. But as far as Chiefs trading up, I think that's the second most likely possibility. Third would be trading back. That's a little bit smaller percentage. Um, but who are they going to pick? I mean, more than likely than not, I think they're going to stick at 31. And then who's going to be at 31? I think the one group that's going to slide through is receiver. I mean, I think that I think that the top edge, you know, players at, at offensive tackle will be gone. I think that the top interior players on defense will be gone. I mean, there'll be some good players there, but I think if you're talking about just, you know, true team needs and impact, I think it's going to be receivers. I think it's Zay Flowers. Um, I, I could be surprised, but I, I kind of feel like there's going to be a receiver. And it might not be Zay. It could be another. And the Chiefs have kicked the tires on some of the other receivers too. So mm-hmm. it could be another name there. Uh, I just I don't feel good about it. I mean, because I don't think that – I mean, this isn't the I've – had, I've had good feelings about some picks in the past. I felt pretty good the Chiefs were going to take Nick Bolton in the second round two years ago. This is Don't have that kind of clarity this nope. year on where the Chiefs are going to go. Um, but I, I mean, I think they're going to, I think they're going to target receiver at least once or not twice. I will say this, my big, bold prediction though, and this may probably not that big and bold, but chiefs are going to be active in the trade market. I think they're going to try and they're going to be involved in some conversations. You're going to hear a lot about the chiefs being talked about as far as probably some rumors going, especially since there's a couple of receivers that might be on the market or could pop onto the market. And the chiefs are going to be rumored in every single conversation about a wide receiver. Yeah. Really quick, I have to ask the question just because it's so out from what they normally have been doing the position. Do you think it's that they have real interest in a guy like Quentin Johnson or another big body type wide receiver that they really haven't had? I mean, when you look at their wide receivers, they haven't had that type of guy. Yeah, I mean, it certainly does seem like they have shown some interest in some big bodied receivers. I'm not convinced that it's not just coincidence. You know, as far as just these being players that they feel like are good, good receivers. I don't think it's a matter of them saying, hey, we really need somebody who's six four to, to provide the something different on this team. I think it's more about they're just looking at who they think are the best players who could fit in and pick up Andy Reid's offense and click with Patrick Mahomes. If it's a bigger receiver, I think it's almost just a bonus at this point. But I haven't gotten the sense that this is specifically going out and saying, hey, we need a bigger body because that's the one thing this team is missing. Well, there's a couple of missing pieces. There's a lot of selections coming. We'll see how many they actually make, folks. We are going to be here all draft weekend. We'll have reviews. We'll have shorts for you. We have all kinds of things. Send around the YouTube channel for some of the short content, but make sure you get liked and subscribed here on Lockdown Chiefs on YouTube right now. Make sure you go to ChiefsDigest.com and read what Matt's putting out. Uh, you may be able to see some things there, too. I'm just saying. Check out NFL 33 for the draft board. Check out RogueAPC.com. For the draft guide. So if you get a name selected that you don't recognize, I can tell you it's in the book. So go grab that. Use the code Matrix LOC. Uh, I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm going to be glad to be back in town. Let's have some fun. Are you guys as pumped as I am? This is going to be exciting. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You can feel the in Kansas City, you can feel the energy starting to get going. So this town are going to have a good time. Looks like there might be, I think, rain one day. And it's going to be a little chilly at times, but. 
I, I think Casey's ready for this. Ready, Casey's ready for a party. I cannot wait. This is going to be a lot of fun regardless, just because I, I love the draft every year, but at being in Kansas City, you're going to get to see – people are going to get to see this town in a different light than they've ever got to see it, and I think that's going to be awesome. So be safe while you're out there. I hope that you guys have a great time, and we will give you a reaction as we get closer. KC, baby, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all have a great one. Make sure that you get subbed because we have so much stuff coming here and on the audio. Just wanted to throw that out one last time. Thank you for your time today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.